Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Today we've got a pro revenge story that makes somebody inhale salt all night. We'll get into that in a bit, but first, Namer had two break-ins after not calling to have the door repaired. This is more in line with the universe taking revenge. Anyhow, you've all had those neighbors that simply don't care. If a fire's about to start in a trash can, they just walk by because someone else will deal with it. The front door of our apartment complex was broken so it stood permanently open. There's a number on the wall that goes to the janitor so we can send someone to fix it. I usually always call this number if something important, like the elevator, is broken. This time I figured it was someone else's time to call. It went three days and nobody called. Then someone broke into my neighbor's apartment by drilling into the lock when she was at work. She then called her insurance company and the insurance company sent someone out to look at it and the insurance agent asked why the front door was wide open. My neighbor explained that they hadn't fixed it. Then the insurance agent asked how long it was since my neighbor had called them. She explained that she had not called anyone and the insurance agent asked how long it had been like that. She said five days, and then the insurance agent told her that she was irresponsible and wouldn't get any insurance money. She paid out of her own pocket for a new lock and then complained to me about it. Four more days passed with the door being wide open. Then someone broke into our apartment one more time, this time by bending the door off the frame with some sort of machine. She called her insurance agent and it was the same guy who noticed that the front door still wasn't fixed. He asked her why they weren't fixing it, and she said she didn't know. He then asked her if she had called the janitor, and she said no. He then asked if she wanted him to call, and she said yes. He then called the janitor in front of her and then just left. Her apartment was completely trashed. I don't know what's wrong with this person, but in this situation, you would think that they would finally call and say, fix the freaking door. But I guess some people are just overly complacent, I don't know. Also, hi, I'm Steven, and if you enjoy awesome stories of revenge, why not hit those like and subscribe buttons down below? That said, our next story is new neighbors and their dog poop. So I, 34-year-old male, lived in a nice quiet neighborhood. Most of my neighbors are elderly and we get along pretty great. That was until my new neighbors moved in, a couple around my age with a baby and a dog. They never pick up after their dog, and yes, I've asked them to pick it up a few times. It got to the point that I stopped asking, as I don't have a dog and it's annoying having to watch my steps walking in my yard. I feel I shouldn't have to pick it up. I've tracked dog crap into my house once, it was late night, and it sent me over the edge. But I kept my cool because I hate blowing up on people, and plus I've asked so they know it's out there. Their dog barks constantly day and night, lunged at a couple walking by, and is never on a leash. Never on a leash. I don't know what breed it is, but it's a massive dog, easily over 110 pounds. It's a big dog. The police even came to their house telling them to leash the dog or animal control would be called. 
Our HOA states all dogs must be kept on a leash or in an invisible fence at all times when outside. I know this because I read the whole HOA book. The book has breed restrictions but not weight restrictions, so you can have a big dog but only certain breeds aren't allowed in our neighborhood. I once overheard them laughing about me asking them to pick it up like it was a comical thing to ask. I didn't say anything about it because I knew how I was going to handle it. My neighbors got a new roof put on their house in February. So for the last five months, I've been going out late night and throwing it on top of their roof with a shovel. Their brand new roof is littered in dog crap. Where we live, it rains a lot during the spring, so all that poop was just turning into liquid as the spring season went by. And now that it's July, it's just cooking up there. I've never smelt it, but I know it's been cooking. Today, July 9th, 2023, it's 98 degrees Fahrenheit. Pretty hot, but nice out. And it's finally happened. The wife, guessing they're married, is yelling at the husband that their hole upstairs smells like crap. I can hear this because I'm sitting on my back porch right now, sipping some iced tea. Can't figure out why or how. The gagging is what made me laugh the most. I don't want the dog hurt or killed. I know it has to go somewhere. It can't hold its crap forever. I know this. But pick up after your dog. It's not my dog. I shouldn't have to clean up after it. You're welcome, neighbors. Signed, your petty neighbor. It's one thing if there's like a fenced-in yard or an invisible fence, and you know, all of their droppings stay pretty much in the neighbor's yard, but when you're willingly allowing your dog to roam around and just go in other people's places, these people are horrendous and I feel for that dog because literally at any moment they could have somebody showing up to address that, whether it's illegal or not. This next story is, that'll teach them. Back in the 80s, my fam moved to a neighborhood on a dead-end road with a turnaround and power line access and riding trails at the end of it. In our small town, this road was well known as a meet-up party spot for the underaged, myself included. To be honest, my 13-year-old self thought it was a great move. The only problem my dad had with this was how often he had to replace our mailbox. We lived closer to the end of the road than the beginning, and after a night of partying, some of these kids made mailbox takedown a weekend sport. It happened often, so often, that after numerous replacements, he mentioned it to our neighbor at their Sunday service. Their Sunday service consisted of a bunch of dads, mostly vets, that would show up at my neighbor's garage to drink, talk nonsense, and shoot darts after the wives left with the kids for church service. It was a man cave before man caves were a thing. So, with a busted mailbox needing fixing and my dad complaining about it, they made a plan of replacement. The neighbor worked for the power company and just happened to have a few old extra telephone poles laying around. They cut a 7-8 foot piece off of a pole and my dad got the hole digger out and went to work. It took him hours to dig the hole but he knew it would be a one and done. So it was worth the effort. Dad and neighbor installed the pole, placed the mailbox, and waited. It took a week. At the next Sunday service, they were all chuckling about my dad picking up car parts before attending service. Word got around school. Mailboxes remained untouched throughout our high school years. The parents long since moved, and that pole is still in place after 40 years. Side note, it was the 80s. Honestly, I'm impressed how dumb these kids are. The fact that they're playing mailbox takedown and they're not doing it in the classic jock way of using like a baseball bat or something. They're doing it by running it over. Like they're willingly damaging their vehicle, right? Like even if it was a flimsy or lightweight mailbox, 
That's still going to cause, like, scratches, dents, and stuff, right? I guess they must have been driving around in a beater to begin with. Our next story is eBay negative feedback. This happened years ago, around 2008, but I still think about it. I had a unique designer cell phone that was associated with some fashion label. The feature of the phone was a virtual display with haptic feedback. So you press each button and the phone makes internal vibrations to simulate pressing buttons. I bought it for my girlfriend and she used it a bit but eventually didn't like it that much, so put it on eBay. I sold it and bidding pushed it up above what I was hoping to get, shipped it off and forgot about it. A couple of weeks later, I was fired from my job, so I wasn't paying close attention to emails and the account I had tied to eBay was not my main personal email address. So apparently the buyer didn't like the phone, claimed it was defective, it wasn't, and because I didn't respond to his desire to return the defective phone within three days, he used the feature in eBay to complain about being scammed. I was happy to refund the amount once I'd had the phone and confirmed it was working. However, if it was okay, I wouldn't refund shipping costs. I get the phone, all is good, I perform the refund minus shipping. Then one week later, the buyer gives me a negative review, the first one I've ever received. Really ticked me off because not only was he just having buyer's remorse, he was a huge jerk during the entire refund process. I eventually added him to my sellers to watch list. Now here's the petty revenge part. Two years later, he's selling a bunch of stuff and I'd moved since then to a different state. He has a cheap electronic device listed, so I buy it using a different eBay account. Then when I get it, I contact him and state that it isn't working. He doesn't respond and I file an eBay complaint. I get all annoying to him, get a refund, and then give him a bad review. I feel like a lot of people in this situation would be like, oh, I hate this person, I want to get revenge against them. They would add them to their seller list and they're just ready and waiting. And then two years go by and eventually they'd be like, oh, that guy's a total jerk, but it's not worth it at this point. But OP's like, no, two years later, I'm finally capable. I've been counting my days down till this. Also, can we point out how ridiculously mid-2000s this is? Designer cell phone associated with some fashion label? Kinda makes me nostalgic for that era before iPhones and smartphones really took off. Our next story is 1930s schoolboy petulance. My late father told of his elementary school days learning from the Brothers of St. Joseph. I don't remember why he was seated at the front of the classroom, but he was. His teacher would always lean on my dad's desk and it annoyed my dad. One day he decided to get to school early and take all the bolts out of the desk and precariously balance the desk back together again. He went about his morning pretending nothing was different. Then the good brother went to lean on the desk as usual and met a gravitational pull instead. I would imagine dad got paddled at school for it and then got a second round at home from his Irish immigrant parents. The teacher stopped leaning on the desks after that. I'm willing to bet OP got a wealth of extremely fun stories and tales of old from a man like that. Our next story is Landmine Revenge. I just remember this one after reading some other stories. This story must be nigh on 40 years old. The cast are an elderly gentleman I'll call Ivan and his dog-owning neighbor who I'll call Karen. No particular reason, but it seems fitting. Back in the 80s, people let their dogs foul in the gutter as that was regarded as good form. Nobody cleared up after them. Those laws came later. Nevertheless, letting a dog use anyone else's garden was the height of bad manners. 
In our admittedly short road, there was only one dog owner, Karen, and she let them foul wherever they pleased, arguing that it's only natural and it's good for the plants. Well, Ivan owned one of the gardens that the dogs regularly fouled, and this particular morning he stepped in one and ruined his suede shoes. They had to be replaced. He was about to chuck them in the bin when he had a rather wicked idea. He very carefully put them back on outside and being sure to walk through a few more landmines, went to Karen's house. He knocked on the door, she answered, and he asked to borrow a cup of sugar. She said, of course, come in, and turned away to walk to the kitchen. Ivan walked in across her fairly new hall carpet, into the lounge and into the kitchen, where he accepted the proffered cup, turned and made a beeline for the door, leaving the cup on the hall table before leaving. He could hear the anguished scream from his house, three doors down. The dogs were under better control for a while, until one day they weren't. And that day, she, his words, heard a knock on the door and a voice asking for a cup of sugar. Apparently, she moved away shortly after. I can just imagine the visual of this guy in her house as he gets the sugar and he's going to turn to walk away. Just makes sure he digs his heels into the ground on that spin so he really just scrapes the bottom of those shoes on that rug. A nice solid ground connected spin on that rug and then pew right out the door. This next story is getting the last paycheck twice. Okay, so this was years ago from a friend. The store rhymes with Bargit. Working overnight stocking shelves at a place where the workers wear red shirts and the logo is a red circle, the overnight employees were really crappy people. He says he brought treats for everyone to smooth things over, but they were just adamant at being at odds. Job was crap. My friend slowed down a lot. They wanted two boxes opened and shelved per minute. He was best and worn out and slowed down. They decided to fire him. If you're not familiar with the large retailer in the US, they give your last paycheck in cash. And if you have a direct deposit set up, they send it and then pull it back right away. Nightmare if you have automatic bill payments set up. So he looks at his banking app and sees the money come in and out right away. He gets there on payday the same day. They don't have a check and tell him to come back later for your shift. He comes, they give him his cash and say he's fired. He calls up his bank and says the money being pulled out right away was a glitch or fraud. They refunded the money and sent him a letter saying they agreed that it was fraud, so he kept the cash and direct deposit. The cash was the previous two weeks pay plus the few days of the next cycle. The direct deposit was only the previous two weeks, so not quite double the pay but close. To anyone who gets the axe from there, do the same. As far as I know, they still fire people like this with the pay and pull the direct deposit routine. Yeah, I don't really understand how they can direct deposit and then pull it back. Is it like a chargeback type thing? Either way, yeah, I mean, what's the worst you're gonna do from trying to dispute this chargeback? This next story is glitter bombs for 10 years. I worked in a very stressful job for three and a half years. Towards the end, I had some surgery and wasn't in a good headspace. I went into the back room one day and was sobbing. Well, apparently sobbing at work was unprofessional and should just get a Xanax prescription per the head of HR. I was off work on a mandated leave because of mental health issues when she called me to come in and tell me this, by the way. She also told me I was demoted and wanted to know how much the demotion was going to reduce my salary. I swear, she was salivating when she said that. My manager at the time interrupted her and said, No, OP never took a raise when she took the position, because she took the position at a favor to the old boss, so she doesn't get a pay cut. 
Visible sad face on the head of HR. I guess I was one of the higher paid people. I don't know. Eventually I found a new job, was able to leave, this was 10 plus years ago, and they checked credit scores at the time for jobs. Mine was still suffering from my divorce. But man, I could still remember the looks on her face when she told me that crying from the stress of the job was unprofessional and to go on Xanax. How she would hound me for every possible infraction, but ignore the sexual harassment I reported. First, the company forgot to take my master key before my last day. So, on my last day, I saran wrapped anything in all the management offices I could get into. Pens, keyboard. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Storytime is sponsored by BetterHelp. Nearly everyone at some point in their life will struggle with their mental health, whether that's something stressful at work, in a personal relationship, or something else. I know that I really struggled with anxiety in my early 20s, and therapy was a massive help for me. That's why I'm a massive fan of therapy, and today's sponsor, BetterHelp. If there is anything in your life, big or small, that is negatively affecting you, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. It's an online therapy service that after finishing a small questionnaire will match you with a licensed therapist where you can book appointments that match up with your schedule at any place or any time. And if you feel like you're not bonding with your therapist, you can switch at any point for free. Also, therapy isn't just if you're struggling with mental health. If you're looking for guidance or ways to improve your social skills, life, or relationships, it's a great judgment-free way of doing that. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com StorytimePod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash StorytimePod. Chairs, snacks, scissors, etc. I left the key inside several layers of said saran wrap and left it in the offices before I left. Then... I waited. Around the time the anonymous glitter bomb companies had started up. I didn't have a lot of money, but I set enough aside to send her a glittery package once a year or so. And to keep her from figuring out what the package and envelope might contain, I used several different companies which each used a different packaging. Sometimes I'd send those prank candles that started as vanilla but then turned to fart scent. I heard she got married, so I sent her one of those congratulations cards you had to destroy to turn off. Later, a bear that had to be destroyed to stop singing on her anniversary. Then back to glitter. Then rooster lollipops. I meant rooster. I never sent actual not safe for work. Other word for rooster, etc. No more than once a year, but on and off for 10 years. She retired, so I obviously stopped. They were sent to work, not home. 
And honestly, she probably doesn't even remember me. I don't think she ever figured out who did the glitter. To be honest, she ticked a lot of people off. You know, sometimes HR can be the saving grace, and sometimes HR can be your worst enemy. It depends on the HR person. Basically, if A, they actually do their job and care about the employees and not just the company, or B, they are hired or have the mindset of protect the company, save the bottom line, and if you're too much trouble, get the heck out of here kind of people. Our next story is, can't buy a homeless man a pizza? Fine by me. Back in the early 2000s, I worked at a well-known US pizza delivery chain store. For anyone who's ever worked in the US food service industry, you're probably familiar with what a failing dumpster fire of a restaurant looks like. On many nights, it was literally just me and one driver taking care of the whole restaurant. Breaks were out of the question, because the restaurant would be completely unattended. The recent franchise buyers were complete and total idiots who would show up unannounced to yell at me, and the overwhelming majority of our customers ordered once and then never again. We had pizza deliveries taking 90 plus minutes, people bringing them back to the store. It was a nightmare, and I got paid $8.50 an hour to run shifts. One night I was running a shift and it was particularly dead. Such nights were not uncommon, and they were basically the only reason I still worked there. Well, 11pm rolls around as I'm kind of standing by the phones watching the clock tick down, and a clearly homeless man walks in. He introduces himself as Ricky and asks if we had any leftover pizzas that nobody picked up. I apologetically inform him that we didn't. He smiles and thanks me anyway, but then since I'm in such a good mood, I ask him what he wants. He says he likes the meat lover's pizza. Since he isn't a sociopath like some of our customers, I'm looking at you, Mr. Teriyaki Bacon and Sardines guy. I say I'll be happy to make him one. Ricky at this point is so thankful that he sits down in one of our chairs and starts bouncing up and down like a little kid. I put the order in and pay for it myself. It ends up being $12 or basically an hour and a half of work for me. Good deal in my mind. Ricky watches me and applauds my dough slapping and spinning skills. As the pizza comes out of the oven, in comes the area manager, the brother of the franchise owner. He begins shouting as usual and accuses me of stealing from the store. As he goes into his tirade, one of our few regulars, Henry, comes in. Henry hears of the tirade and looks very uncomfortable. I finally tell the area manager that I paid for the pizza out of my own pocket. Area manager shouts a bit more, calls me a liar, says the count better be right that night, and leaves. I apologize to Henry and Ricky, who both tell me, an 18-year-old kid, yeah, work sucks, doesn't it? Ricky gets his pizza, Henry gets his, and they leave around the same time. I see them talking outside. The next night, Henry calls me for an order. This was unusual because he was generally a once a week guy. I also found it unusual that he ordered a meat lover's pizza instead of his usual supreme. I took it, made it, and 20 minutes later, Henry calls again apologetically to cancel it. I say okay. In a bizarre coincidence, Ricky rolled in right around that time asking for a pizza. I just so had one that was going to go uneaten, sitting under the heater, and so began the nightly dance. Henry would call, order a meat lover's pizza, and I'd make it. Henry would then call again, cancel, and Ricky would coincidentally roll in every night, same time. You could time it to the second. This went on for months, 
Eventually, the area manager caught wind because a bootlicker co-worker of mine narked on me, but I responded that I was just doing my job as instructed. They then stopped putting me into the schedule rotation in a quiet firing sort of way, but I really didn't care. The restaurant went under about a year later. Obviously, it wasn't all Henry, but I was glad to see it go. Well, dang, at this point, I just feel bad for the guys once their routine was up. But honestly, considering the calories and getting a pizza every single night for months on end, probably lasted them a good while, I would think. Honestly, this might have been a saving grace to really help them pivot to a good point in their lives being homeless. Because if they could split a pizza every single night, they're probably not going hungry. And in theory, they'd be able to focus on actually turning things around a little bit. Our next story is, quit my job at an upscale steakhouse, but not before making sure all the customers knew what a jerk the owner was. This happened back in 2009, but I shared it in a comment on another sub yesterday and figured it belonged here too. I was waiting tables at an upscale steakhouse and the company culture was absolute garbage. The owner, Gary, was constantly throwing tantrums and screaming at everyone, and we all hated him. He'd line us all up before every shift just to berate us and yell how lucky we were that he'd hired us. Because we were all crap at our jobs and no one else would ever have us. Stuff like that. The only reason anyone ever stuck around was because the money was good due to the high ticket prices and solid customer base, as well as the fact that there weren't many other employment options for fine dining service in the area. In addition to being a massive jerk, Gary was also a cheap idiot. There was this six-foot-tall dessert cooler in the kitchen that had a broken door, and he put off fixing it for months because he didn't want to spend the money. So it was just sort of hanging on its hinge and you had to be really careful opening it. Inevitably, during the height of a Saturday night rush, it fell completely off and hit one of the servers hard. So she's laying there on the kitchen floor, bleeding from a serious-looking wound on her head, and Gary standing over her and screaming down at her, Way to go! Just... Brilliant, what the freak am I supposed to do now? It's the middle of the rush, you've got a full section and no one's going to be able to pick up your gosh darn tables because everyone who works here is useless and incompetent. You should have been more careful. I'd seen a lot of his crap, but this was the hard line. And I made the decision right then that I was out. So when I got home that night, I typed up a letter to Gary, telling him exactly why I was quitting and leaving no detail out when it came to his tantrums, his verbal abuse, and the hazards in the workplace that he wouldn't address. I printed out 30 copies, went in early for my opening shift the following day, mid-afternoon, the place was only open for dinner, and hid them all over the restaurant where guests would find them. In the menus, under the napkins on the tables, in between paper towels in the restrooms, etc. Some were in really obscure places, so that they wouldn't be found right away and would keep popping up randomly. Surprise! Allowing my legacy to live on. Then, instead of working my shift, I left before the pre-shift lineup. Fast forward to a couple of days later, when a coworker reached out and shared with me the beautiful details of Gary's head, almost exploding with rage when he found out about the letters, A couple tables read them and walked out before ordering. People in the dining room could hear him screaming from the kitchen. Apparently, they were still finding letters weeks later and every time one surfaced, the vein in Gary's forehead would pop out and he'd disappear into his office and slam the door. It remains one of my proudest moments and my only regret is that I couldn't be a fly on the wall watching this all unfold. Honestly, I think a guy like this deserves every bit of that revenge. 
I don't think there's anybody you can really report him to for his behavior. Like, was their actions something that violated some kind of workplace safety rule? Or is it just something that you have to kind of spread the word about and, and share your experience with the owner of this restaurant that is so horrendous that this place needs to just be boycotted until new ownership can move in? Our next story is, enjoy snorting salt all night. This dude in my friend group is such a jerk and grabbed my butt while we were all hanging out. I pushed him away and he said, sorry, I'm so turned on. Yuck. It wasn't the first time something like this happened and I was pretty ticked off about it. While I was putting some stickers on a closet door, in that closet is also a small drug stash, he was whining if he could have some substances. The backs of the stickers looked somewhat similar to the material of a white powdery packet, so I folded up one in the most amateuristic way and gave it to him. He thought it was real and when opening, found out it was empty. I did the exact same joke three times in five minutes and he kept falling for it like an idiot. Then I took it one step further. I took one of the sticker wrappers, ground up some salt in it and wrote a K on it for a certain substance that begins with K. I gave it to him quite a few times. All my other friends were in on it and were pretending to also snort it and then he would be like, oh, can I have some more? At some point he even went to the bathroom to rinse his nose. Oh, it burns. Good K always burns, he said. I asked him a few times if he felt anything and he was like, yeah, this K is really good, the dumb little weasel. I didn't tell him about it being fake at all. Might continue this prank another time as it was very funny to watch. This guy was basically torturing himself for a placebo high. And I mean, hey, if there was a person that deserved it, somebody who's going around assaulting others, probably pretty high up there on the list. Our next story is... Party all night? Want to enjoy the sun? Get eaten by bugs. About 10 years ago, I lived in a popular beach town in Sydney's eastern suburbs with a great view of the ocean and just a block to the beach. It was great but had poor soundproofing and didn't have a lot of privacy. The neighbors next door could see right into my kitchen and the house kitty corner to me. Their backyard looked directly into my living room. All good, you gotta accept some drawbacks for getting to live that close to the beach. Some Brazilians moved into the house kitty corner to me with a backyard that looked into my living room. Unfortunately, they liked to stay up and party until 4am almost every night. They would sing at the top of their lungs in addition to the music. I was fine with the weekend nights, but the weekday nights were killing me for work. I called the police, landlords, and nothing would be done. This went on for weeks. I noticed that after a long night of partying, they liked to come sit in the backyard to sunbathe and would be looking directly into my living room. Great, not only have they kept me up all night, but now I have to look at them all greased up about 15 feet from my window. But that got me thinking. The next evening, I waged war. I bought a couple extra bags of sugar and eggs. Now, if you know anything about Australia, it's that it has a lot of bugs. Lots of big bugs. Of course, this attracts spiders. Lots of big spiders. If you've never seen a huntsman, google it. Dinner plate sized. Being subtropical, it's also teeming with cockroaches, like the big 3-4 to four inch freakers. While they were partying away, I dusted their backyard with two bags, 10 pounds of sugar, and launched four dozen eggs over the fence and onto their roof and yard. 
They heard nothing, and I went back to bed slightly uncomfortable thinking about the teeming mass of bugs that must be moving into their backyard and around their house to snack on the eggs and sugar. The next day I'm watching TV, and they drag their ratty lawn chairs out in the yard. I make a snack and settle down to watch the show. At first it's a slap here and there, and then it's a loud shouts of alarm and screaming. Then they're running towards the house, dragging their clacking lawn chairs behind them, slapping at their bodies and hair. It only lasted a few minutes, but it was so satisfying. I settled down to watch a movie, finish my snack with a little happy smile on my face. They never returned to the yard, and my very cool landlord finally got in touch with their landlord, and they were evicted about a month later. So, knowing what I've heard about Australia, I think what OP did here was attempted murder. Obviously I'm kidding, but I've heard time and time again about how Australia has like 500 million poisonous bugs that can kill you with one bite. Next thing you know, OP's gonna be inviting snakes into their yard as well because of all these eggs all over the place. Somehow the venomous plants that are in Australia are going to want a taste of that sugar and move in. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now if you want to hear another awesome story of revenge, check out that video on the left. Or if you missed my latest video, check out that video on the right. That said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories.